Hello everyone and welcome back once again Pick Shack Podcast. This episode is presented as always by Atnip Enterprises, Midwest Sheet Metal, Metal Magic Auto Hill Repair. If you can look up any of those three people if they can do anything for you for a service, I would uh, gladly advise those guys to help you out. Um, they've been way more than good to us since podcast and me personally with my racing program, so I'd like for you guys to use them for anything you need. We had Ryan Whitworth and Bryce Hall come down. They made about a three-hour trip combined here um, to come visit with us, talk about a little bit of the upcoming season, some of the up, uh, behind-the-scenes things we don't really hear about with uh, sanctioning USRA. Ryan talks about getting some of his things tore up. Just some of the stuff you don't really uh, don't really think about whenever you think of promoters or think of USRA or Bryce or anything. So we appreciate those guys for coming down here and visiting with us. Kind of had a scare. I thought I lost the audio file, so I'm really happy you guys are going to get to hear this. Um, it's a good interview. I went through about 30 to 40 minutes of panic thinking that I messed this up and lost it. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed doing it. We've done plenty of time together. <laughs> yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. We're on. All right. Well, uh, Pitch Shack Podcast, new episode. Uh, my <clears> name's <throat> Dylan Allen, Ryan Gilmore here, and we've got Ryan Whitworth from Humboldt Speedway. We've got Bryce Hall from USRA. We're excited to have them in Springfield, so thanks for coming. Uh, we uh, just want to – we got quite a few questions, but I guess we'll just roll into uh, Humboldt Speedway to start with. So, Ryan, uh, your family has been involved and owned the racetrack for – a long time. I can't remember when exactly you guys took it over, but uh, how did all that get started? Well, Dad and Grandpa both raced there, uh, and we purchased the track in 1990. Um, and Dad and Grandpa basically maintained everything, and and Mom basically ran the concession the entire time. So uh, we just kind of grown up from that. So 1990. Do you know when the track originally opened? It was DND Speedway, I believe. 68. 68. Wow. How'd you guys get a hold of the racetrack? I don't know. Tell the <laughs> truth. I mean, dad, dad and Grandpa both raced, and they thought they was going to make a bunch of money, and they didn't. They still haven't. Yeah. Well, you start, well, when you guys got a hold of the racetrack, were you driving at the time, or when did you get your feet wet in driving? Shit, no, I'm only 36, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was six years old. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> okay, uh, when did you get started racing then? No, I started racing, I think I was like 12 or something. We started a go-kart deal there at the racetrack in the infield. So it would have been, I guess it would have been 11. It was 95 when we started the go-kart stuff. Uh, and we have quite a few racers that are still with us from the go-kart era. What made you yeah. quit racing? Uh, once my dad passed, I actually quit racing the year before my dad passed because we started the King of America stuff. Mm-hmm. So he needed more help on the track and, and more people to be there all the time. So I don't know that I ever got to see you race personally, but what was your successes like racing? Not very damn good. Not very good. No, don't don't let him fool you. I he got a really cool big check from Nevada one time. Oh, That's the Mudzilla. That's as right. We call it. <laughs> it was supposed to be Modzilla show, but it was so damn muddy we called it Mudzilla. <laughs> hey, Modzilla. Yeah. How much did it pay to win? Twenty-five. That's not bad. No, that was that was definitely my best one. I think my other best finish with USMTS was a third at Humboldt one time in a brand new used car, like unloaded it that week and really ran third that's something to hang your hat on just making a usmts race is a pretty big deal but well shit and back then i mean that that's was serious that was good yeah, i mean yeah all them guys kelly was still racing everybody was still back then johnny bone everybody 
Yeah, and that's kind of how that Nevada race was, too. I remember, I think my dad was second or third. Brian Bolin was there, uh, probably the folks. I mean, there was a lot of good racers Yeah, that, area. that deal there at Nevada, um, they threw a yellow on the white flag lap coming, coming out of four for the checkered. I mean, your dad went down the infield <laughs> to avoid this car that was stuck right on the checkered flag, and we got stuck in the infield. Well, Brian Bolin went on, and he said he won it. Yeah, it went back to last lap. He says stuck, and he means literally stuck in the mud. The car, the lap car, was just couldn't even move out of the middle of the track. We heard horror stories over the summer of them throwing the yellow on the white flag lap, anyways. And that being, (laughs) what is your guys' stance on that? I'm gonna go off topic a little bit, but I see like, is it when the white comes out, the next flag ends it, or do you green white it together? It all depends on where they're at. You know, if half the half the fields cross then we try to finish the race out mm-hmm. i mean it depends on where they're crashed at if they're right. crashed coming out of four and they got to come all the way back around to right. check or that's a different deal what about you bryce yeah that's kind of the same thing if it's if it's a heat race or a qualifying race probably just, you just know, next flag ends it but the features i think you know you try to finish under green the best you can and if that means going back and, and adding basically adding a few laps there at the end then that's what you need to do is that popular amongst the racers do you think what is popular amongst well, racers? I'm, oh, it depends well, on I'm, who's leading. The guy that's leading, right. no, it's not. I'm asking that because of Volusia with <clears> Hughes, and I don't know who the dude was that won, but Hughes had it sewn up, and I don't know if you say he got screwed, but he got his pockets picked right there on the white flag because the checkered was out, and they were coming to the checkered. They're yeah. coming to the checkered, and the wreck was on the backstretch, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that should have been a checkered, in my opinion. That's that's yeah. what, kind of what I yeah. thought. He, I don't know how upset he was. I'm sure he was upset. Oh, yeah. You didn't, just, you didn't watch his interview? No, I didn't see his interview. No, I never saw it either. Yeah. He, he does the best interviews. I mean, I remember him at 81 <laughs> one time. He just he told Warren Hardy, he said, this track's a pile of crap. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said worse. But Well, whenever they were going through the rule change stuff, he was at uh, Siloam, and he had the board, the board on top of his oh, car. Yeah. USMTS legal for the week. And I, that, that, that was right after he got disqualified the week before. Yeah, that was making it round. He's, he's outspoken. That was one of my favorites. Well, well, after the – race we watched in texas he was the announcer was saying like he was cruising like he was and then he just basically said my car was junk like i just like how black and white he is i was went and asked him questions at wheeling he just told me he didn't, he didn't tell me stuff like i thought he was going to which was cool i respected that but he's straight up yeah but what were you say some of the challenges are running a racetrack and family business this could be a mile long list i'm sure um i mean it's not really that big of a deal, you know. Our family's been together. Most of them all have 20-plus years' experience at the racetrack, so everybody knows their own job, you know. So it's not that nothing's different from week to week. I mean, we got the same people in the same positions. Our flagman, you know, Tony's been with us a long time, and he's very well respected by most every racetrack. There's a few racers that hate him, but you're going to get in that position. Same thing with Carl Flowers, our tech guy. I mean, he's been with us 10 years now, so... Yeah, it's a big, I don't know how many family members you have, at least 20 working on a normal night around there. I mean, concession stands, <clears throat> officials, everywhere. True family members, it's probably around 20. Yeah. yeah. But I consider all of our track help family. I mean, there's like 60 of us. Yeah. There's, so how do you, uh, you're kind of known for making improvements to your racetrack. It seems like every off season, Humboldt Speedway's got something different. And just me growing up and seeing the racetrack and how much it's changed in my lifetime is just unbelievable. How do you keep improving or how important do you think the improvements are? 
Um, you know, that's a big deal. You know, when I go to a racetrack, I want to see something different every time. And I expect a racetrack to put some money back in the facility because unless they ain't making no money. And I mean, yeah. if you're not making money, you're not going to be in business. You know, and we try to put back at least 50 to 60% of what we make throughout the year back in the facility. I mean, I've added some more lights this year and uh, we built on the uh, gazebo type area onto the end of the pit barn um, for just for more party access, you know, type of deal. And then I, I built a deal out front for the entryway, but it ain't done yet. So, yeah, that gazebo on the back stretch. My dad and I were up there a couple of weeks ago. It's really nice. It's something that people still haven't even seen. You know, like you said, every year it's something different. So, what, what's next? What's beyond that? Do you have anything planned? No, she told me to quit spinning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's not. Gonna she told me that last year too, but. <laughs> That's that's part of the perks of owning your own construction company. I mean, I can take my guys up there for two days or whatever and, and wipe a bunch of stuff out, you know. Um, if I didn't have that option, it, it couldn't be done. I mean, it wouldn't be feasible for a racetrack to hire a construction crew to go out there at 45 bucks an hour for most guys, right. you know. So, well, The racetrack's always been nice since I started coming there, and every year it gets better and better. It just makes being there better. The shower house is nice and clean. The bathrooms are clean. The food's good. Everything's everything's what it should be, what you would expect to go to at a racetrack. Much like going to Slime, I went there once this year. That place is pretty badass. I like, yeah, I like yeah. going there quite a bit. We're, you know, in our area, we're pretty damn fortunate. You know, there's a lot of nice racetracks out here. You know, there's there's still a few that haven't put put in the time or effort to get it back to where it needs to be in today's modern standards. Um, you shouldn't really even talk about them tracks, but. Um, but there are people that are going out of their way to try to put the money back in the facility. That's, do you think, think that's going to keep people from going to the races as facility itself, or do you think the on-track product is more important? Well, I mean, you want to look at the facility at Lucas Hole and look how many people there go weekly. I mean, yeah. the facility does mean something, and that's when you talk about a racer going, their wife going with them to the races, that's the place they want to go. So, Yeah, yeah. and the casual fan, too. I mean, Lucas – getting somebody that i work with to go to lucas and show hey you're going to be blown away by the amenities there versus going to some other tracks you know if there's no roof on the bathroom and there's just a pee trough or something i mean that that kind of stuff it's like nowadays people don't want to go it's really below standards that we have for everything else so yeah i don't know how they get around this virus this week you know oh, over yeah. in racetracks they'd have some trouble <laughs> yeah hotbed for it probably monette for years had a moonlight bathroom <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that the one in the pit yeah yeah you get your it's, feet, feet it wet. ain't changed it uh, hasn't changed. we got a light bulb on the roof yeah uh oh <laughs> it doesn't work huh? it doesn't work the light don't work no oh well it's got a roof so <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is tough to put money into it especially if you're not making much money to be able to make improvements so we're not bashing we're all thankful to have racetracks but as far as growing the sport and growing people that wouldn't go anyway like i'd, I'd go to any racetrack in the country mm -hmm. but you know not everybody's like that well, that's so. just us too like you're saying you take some guy from work they go to a, a dump they're not going to want to go back right. and some of the not the best races i've seen have been at the worst facilities but it's just hard to bring someone new to something like that yep yeah, I mean, there's them little small racetracks that really don't have the nicest minis normally put on a really, really good show, you know. Uh, their track equipment normally lacks a little bit, but mm -hmm. but the end-all result is they put on good races. Right. Yeah. Well, Bryce, we'll go to you. How'd you get your start? I just kind of grew up in it. Uh, my dad, he built race cars. He's a metal fabricator, and 
the racetrack was built about the same time I was born there in Salina, Oklahoma, and uh, just kind of grew up in it. Uh, before it closed and reopened, my dad and I actually ran a push truck there for the last couple of years that it was opened under the prior, prior, uh, previous ownership, and uh, that just I haven't been able to get it out of my system since. Have you raced yourself? Uh, no. Well, it goes back to an ill-fated uh, go-kart race when I was very young. <laughs> um, I gave it a shot one time, but people ask me, you know, why I don't, why I haven't raced or tried. I, I, I know I'd probably enjoy it, but I enjoy this side of what I'm doing so much that I'd rather, you know, be able to, to work in it and, you know, make a little bit of a living doing it rather than, than, uh, than competing, so. I'm pretty sure Rinkin would kick your ass anyhow. Probably. <laughs> and, and we could debut the stock car deal at Dallas County, I think. Yeah. Like you yeah. have good race. Yeah. Yeah, what would be that? What's your, what do you think? You got Rankins covered or? Yeah, yeah, I think I got Rankins covered, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be fairly confident, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I got I to exhume a little bit of confidence. We're going to so. have to get somebody to pledge a race car or two. I was plenty fast. Here, here was the story with my go-kart. I, I was plenty fast. I just couldn't stop. It was <laughs> – I, I hit a lot of stuff. Yeah. So. Oh, me too. When I first started racing, I was hitting everything. People couldn't wait for me to drive a race car. I need a short so. lap race. We need to make sure that thing's as short as possible. Yeah. I heard Ryan's still like that in a go-kart. Yeah, I run stuff over in go-karts still. <laughs> It's not, I don't know, there's too much going on at once. <laughs> Urbana, though, is a tough place to debut. You yeah, yeah. I'll have to find some place to turn some practice laps. Two walls there, and I hit them about 80 <laughs> times in a heat race. You race there, Ryan? No, no I never I'm not saying we got a track where you could go and get some practice laps. He's got yeah. four walls he could hit. There. Humboldt's tough, yeah. Humboldt's yeah. tough too, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You don't even I, think I wouldn't be able to afford Ryan's rent, though. I know he's. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your current positioning in the racing world now? So um, my official title is Director of Track Operations with USRA, and basically I'm the first point of contact for promoters like Ryan um, being in, with USRA. Um, and then I've been going out trying to acquire new tracks for the sanctioning body as well. What does it entail to acquire new racetracks? Is it a simple just phone? What's the incentive <laughs> to get someone to do that? Because I'm curious because some racetracks switch over from one sanction to the next, and some of them drop sanctions, and there's a lot going on. And they make it sound like it's the dollar, but what's the incentive to get a racetrack to go with said sanction? Right. Uh, so when we actively pursue somebody, um, you know, we, we just show, I think my primary selling point, it's, it's really not a smoke and gun selling point, but I think the, the common rules package with everybody is the biggest yeah. uh, selling point I can take to somebody. And the fact that that's, you know, that we have somebody ready to support them on race night. And that goes in the opposite direction for drivers as well. You know, if you have a problem in the tech barn uh, and you don't like the answer there, chances are you'll get the same answer from Darlow, but at least there's a second option. And that works, you know, good for the racer and good for the track as well. So I think that common set of rules is the main, you know, the main purpose of a sanctioning body. Um, but we're also flexible enough in the initial stages to, to transition that for people as well. So. Obviously, we want to be 100% on our rules, but we, we do flex uh, when we need so that we just aren't automatically costing right. drivers money up, up front. So. Do you guys go after any track specific to try and get a bander under your name, or you just open arms with whatever you can get a hold of? Um, obviously, there, there's some banner tracks that, that would really help our program that we do target. Um, but we just go after you know what we think is the best fit for our organi organization um, and just try to make it work as a whole you know it takes a lot of working inside the, the market as well with the existing tracks that we have um, in the past there's there's kind of been an unsaid unwritten rule of you know 55 miles is kind of how you handle it 
And the more we see now, depending on the market, we really try to work with those existing racetracks to get some of that waived if it if it'll work for you know better for the program. Yeah, because you pretty much ran into that going down to Dallas and trying to do all these Dallas tracks. Uh, the 55 mile range just didn't work. Yeah, yeah. If you look at at, at the state of Texas, you wouldn't believe that the majority of the racetracks are. 40 to 60 miles from each other really, really? well you'll never get much of a footprint if you you know if you try to just keep one track and then say well this guy's 55 miles from me on the same night we can't do it and what that took was sitting down with those promoters and and really showing that everybody being on the same page it would actually be better overall for everybody because each track's got their you know their set group of cars you're probably not going to impact each other that much um but uh, it just takes a lot of working it out. It's it's kind of different depending on whatever market you're in, really. I mean, Texas is a totally different different world than even even you know Missouri or Kansas. Do you feel like with that being said, there's like, <clears throat> would you go after one specific, what's said like powerhouse racetrack to try to persuade? Like so, like what I'm saying is like if Wheatland decides they're going to do something different, I think everyone else is going to try to look at something different. Is that what you guys look at too? Is look for the bigger track? in that region to try and get them and then spread their spread out after that yeah yeah no there's definitely certain tracks that that for whatever reasons move the needle more than more than others so yeah as much as you can go after those tracks you can and then um the texas you know that that's why we were strong there in texas as well as a couple of the racetracks that we had are you know are solid in ground going to be there from one year to the next and, and if you can convince them it's a lot easier to to convince everybody around them well, I wish you guys could get into UMP land or something because those cars are so ugly. <laughs> it's yeah, the the fix tough, the world. <laughs> yeah, the tough part about that is, and really the racers in that part of the country, you know, when Jerry had his race here at Springfield, the the Turkey Bowl, I talked to a lot of those racers actually from that that part of the country, and and they, I think they're definitely open to to the USRA, open to those set of rules promoters we hadn't had as much luck for what you know whatever reason it is it's just heavily ingrained in that area but the the tough part about that part you know is the rules are so much different than what we've got here whereas you know with some of the other sanctioning bodies or unsanctioned tracks it's not that drastic of a move right out of the gate the tire is the biggest thing with UMP because JC goes up there and he runs pretty good with them but you got to spend six hundred dollars with the tires and vice versa for them to come down here they got to run their M30s here but Springfield's it's abrasive, so those guys didn't fare so well the longer the race went, and they don't like right. that kind of thing, which is understandable. Right. Yeah, so I know humble changing from NASCAR to USRA over the off-season is a big topic. What Could you show us anything behind the scenes or talk to us about why those decisions are made or what all goes into that? Because there's just so much that people don't think of probably that goes into those decisions. Well, once again, Mom told me to quit spending money, you know, <laughs> and that deal's $20,000 regardless. Regardless of how many nights you got, whatever whatever you do is twenty thousand dollars. Like a franchise wow. fee kind of thing. Basically, yeah. yeah. But it goes into I mean it goes into the driver's point fund. Mm-hmm. You know, fifteen thousand of it does. That's all they pay out. But they kind of mess some stuff up. <clears throat> I say on the dirt side of stuff when they when they stopped paying the top ten and only stopped started paying the top five in each division. Right. You yeah. know, then we had to come up with more out of our pocket because you know sixth through tenth deserve something too. You know. Yeah, and was it a little odd? I think they were still the way the divisions work. You could be racing a B mod, but you're against an asphalt modified or late model in like New England area, right? Yeah, it's still that way, and and that's what most people don't look at. I I seen some posts about some Lakeside stuff going NASCAR or people wanting 
some advice of what of what would work and they were worried about rules and stuff. Well NASCAR would take whatever. Yeah. They take whatever they can. You just pick your division. I mean that's kind of there's no real structure there, you know, and, and like US already's got the structure built in, you know, for a B mod that this is what your rule is and I can't screw that up because I can't change a rule. Yeah, and it just being just racing against the same type of racing or the same type of drivers. I know when my dad ran the NASCAR stuff, you can't drive up to New York and run an asphalt modified against the guy. But when we're USRA, Brandon Davis is winning, we're winning. We could drive up there and try to race him somewhere. You know, you have right. a little more control. And you see them guys come down, you know, to Lucas Oil at the end of the year when they're trying to chase points. You know, that's just the way it works. And them guys go to Deer Creek when they can. You know. Um, that's that's the whole thing about it you know like the i80 deal their classes were different so our guys couldn't go to i8 even even get nascar points when we weren't nascar really so it just it wasn't formatted right who judges the, who judges the rules on that on like, what like if nasty if you're running nascar <clears throat> sanctioned division two or whatever you guys got b mods then who sets the class rules for the b mods you yeah, you'd pick whatever you want really so you just could you could have come up there ump style and race nascar yeah. Well, yeah, if that's what was in your rule package. Really? The, the tracks come up with it, right? Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep, okay. really. The, the track the track discretion of whatever rule package you want to run. And you just, whenever you did that, you just tried to form it like USRA style so you can get your same people around, or what did you do? Copy and pasted. Really? <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about that. And yeah. the, they got a couple, like the temp license stuff would keep a couple people from coming and kept me from coming a few times. Yeah, we know. And that's, that's, that's what was one of the biggest, uh, biggest insights on the thing was what drivers complained about when they had to pay at the pit gate you mm. know i'm not yeah i'm not usually one to say that but if i'm driving three and a half hours i'm spending extra 50 bucks with a chance that chance then i'm not probably going to stay home well you ain't the only one on a weekly I mean, race it happens right. yeah. i understand it you know and we took that when we moved that b mod to, to division one we knew that was going to be the the turning point on that deal you know whether it worked or not if the guys would pay them extra fees you know but it also if you're racing there weekly, it definitely paid out. I mean, shoot, who won that last track championship? Kidwell. Uh, Bryant. Andy. Bryant. So they come. They made like sixty-five hundred bucks for a track championship. Really? Fourteen nights of racing. So. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty good gig, but yeah, not very good on your side though. Like you're saying, you got to pay that kind of <clears throat> kind of money. Yeah, I mean, we still got to pay it, which, you know, USRA kind of puts it in. It's all basically out of. On USRA side, it's basically all out of what the driver's licenses and everything come in. It's not so much the track, but the track still has to pay in every night to be a sanction. So, was there ever any kind of crisscross whenever you host like a USMTS USRA event while being NASCAR sanctioned at the same time, or just, do they get do the guys get worked up about that? I don't know, because like I, I don't. Bryce would be a good question for you. Does mm -hmm. the offices get a little bit weird about whenever a track's IMCA sanctioned for A mods? but USRA sanction on B mods? Not on our end, you know, no. Okay. Yeah, no, we can usually just take care of whatever divisions we got. I was curious about that because when West Plains was the first one to do it around here, and I just, like, I didn't, I didn't know how they would feel about that kind of thing. The other sanctioned body doesn't like it near as much, I can tell you that much. Right. Yeah. No, we're we're good with what, you know, what market we have, and we're able to make that work. Nothing, you know, nothing anybody does in an unsanctioned division affects our USRA classes, so that's kind of the same thought process on if, you know, if it was, another sanctioning body you know it doesn't really affect what we're doing so right. yeah i'm really but, excited to see how this year goes I, wichita will be usra humboldt usra friday and saturday then you got lucas on saturday dallas county i think friday you can run usra b mods yep. so it yep. should be a really good year in this area yeah i mean and then you got muskogee 
well, the other track, not Muscogee. Outlaw. Outlaw. Yeah. Another Friday night track, but there again, Bryce is forming too many Friday night tracks for me, so <laughs> give me too yeah. much competition. Right. That's cool for someone like me that's not going to commit to one place. We're going to come spend the night at Humboldt and then go to Winston or go to Wheatland or something from there and try to make a weekend out of it instead of just going to one place every week like we used to because we don't have any Friday tracks around here. So the more you add, it's better for people like me, JC, Andy, guys that are going to move around and do their own thing. Yeah. Man, yeah. it makes it more fun throughout the year. You know, when I was racing, we had a whole lot more fun when we go just go different places and didn't worry about nothing. Yeah, you know? we did too. When we yeah. go catch Mayetta and uh, Topeka on the same weekend, man, that was a freaking blast. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes you better too, a little more confidence every time you step out of the box somewhere far away that you've been to X amount of tracks and you do okay at, so you can go across the country and do well too. Well, what does your schedule look like this year at Humboldt Speedway? I kind of jotted down a few things, and you've got a, you got a more, lot of you got variety. More, you got more dates listed than I even know about, to tell you the truth. <laughs> really? <laughs> so we can talk about the King of America and Battle at the Boring a little bit more <clears throat> later, but uh, cash money, late models, $10 carload night. That sounds cool. What's that? <laughs> I don't even know, to tell you the really? truth. Mom, mom told me I was stupid on that, too. But. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're going to be able to load up a car and – Come yeah, for, for ten bucks. for ten bucks, for however many people you can put in there. Yeah. So that sounds. I like want a, busloads of people. Yeah, like I don't care. I just want a bunch of people. That sounds like a hey, really if, good. If Monet did that with all the Mexicans, they'd be in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> there is a mess of them. So you I don't know if trouble. you can say that or not. <laughs> anyway. Ryan's views are not reflective of the <laughs> or USRA yeah. or Humboldt yeah, Speedway or, or yeah. But, uh, yeah, when you started doing the uh, Combine Derby and the school bus, or even that free ticket. Yeah, night. we did that Jam the Stands Holy deal. Cow. You know, that was 5,500 people. And at that time, we, we only seated 2,000 people at that time. So <laughs> oh. it was freaking crazy. There was people standing everywhere, and they were, they were, there were cars parked all the way to the turnoff on the highway. Yeah, it was – I raced that night, and that was – one of the craziest things ever. I mean, you just couldn't fit another person in the facility there. Yeah, it's just crazy how that stuff gets diluted, and uh, and the fans just kind of forget about why you're doing it for free and why you're doing it. And yeah. they just it. We did it one year, and it was like 5,500. Next year, it was like 4,500. Then it's 3,000. Then it was 2,500. But when you get down in that 1,500,000 person range, you're equal to the same night of racing. You're just not charging the same people. Yeah, exactly. Way. So. I, I'm, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't have more of an effect on people. Like, oh, this is something I wouldn't have gone to before. And there was definitely some people there that had never been to a race in their life. You know, that was a cool thing to get them there, experience yeah. it. And, and I think the first couple of nights that we did that deal, we had a really good night. We was done by 1030, you know, which is pretty dang good starting at 8. Yeah. Did you notice any kind of front gate difference the next couple of weeks after that, or did it go back to normal? It goes back to normal. That's crazy. I, you don't, know, I don't understand. And, and then free night deals and all that stuff. You give away free tickets. They try to bring in their own free drinks and stuff. Like, <laughs> it's a different breed of people. It seriously is. I mean, those people don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, keep scrolling here. So it looks like you've got a thousand to win a mod specials each month. Yeah, we'll try to keep it to one a month. You know, um, the modifieds have just kind of fell apart in our area a little bit, and most of the guys want to be mods, so that's yeah. where we're at. And we'll try to try to satisfy the people that still love a mods. I mean, that's the biggest deal. I mean, I raced a mods for. 15 years so yeah i'm i'm a big fan of real a mods i know you know we made the case for imca where you know it's good you know you can jump in it at a low cost and run it but i think there's still a place for the you know full-blown a mods and usmts cars so i'm glad to see you're still supporting that 
uh, ASCS Red River Series, Power Eye War, Wingless Cars, OCRS Sprint Cars, Power Eye National Midget Series. That's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. USMTS, yeah. The, there was a freaking badass race yeah. last year. That midget awesome. race was awesome. Dayson personally completely impressed me. Like we we'd met him down at Florida at uh, at Bubba's place and and uh, Volusia and, and took Dayson out to dinner and stuff one night and they come up and race that deal and that kid put on a show. It was awesome. Yeah, and his dad was. A heck of a wheel, oh, yeah, man. He's, he's good. good. He's, I'm sure he's run at your place quite a bit. Back uh, in the day. Probably back in the day when yeah. it was USMS. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, yeah, so the, the sprint car races, if you've never seen a full-blown 360 sprint car run around Humble Speedway, it is pretty unbelievable. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the But that, that's only if I give them a good track. If I give them a piece of shit, then the, the track is what it is, and, and they got what they got to run. It's hard to do because they wear the track out so fast, too, it seems like, right? Yeah, and there's so much air movement off them thing. It changes It changes the way the racetrack moves. You know, when the tire is so soft, it, it, it adheres to the racetrack more. I mean, them things rubber up on a dime. Yeah. Well, that leads me to something also I meant to ask you about is how do you – I don't know how you learn how to prep a track or know what to do and you know your your place is one of the best in the country at always being good you know sometimes you get a lot of rain it's out of your control but how do you where'd you learn that and how do you know i know you're i see snapchats you're out at six in the morning on like a wednesday working on the racetrack it's just it's quite a process isn't it well you screw it up a bunch is what you do <laughs> and you learn from your Fair screw enough. ups yeah i mean there we've had plenty of bad nights that i've been completely pissed at myself about what happened or what what went on or you know what I should have done differently each night or or whatever it consists of but you know you just got to learn from your mistakes yeah how do you find a happy medium for the sprint car race do you try to <laughs> you want to appease both sides but what do you do for your weekly crowd to make the sprint car stuff happy just kind of it is what it is I mean you got to give them you got to lean towards the racetrack for them that night you got to give them a top and a bottom mm-hmm. I mean you don't give crap what's in the middle, but you got to get some moisture on the bottom and a ton of moisture around the top. Just kind of work with the sprint car guys and let it roll however it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, and you got to start with the track looser on them nights too. I mean, you can't pack it in as tight, especially mm-hmm. in my place because it's really tight packed clay, so it doesn't it doesn't build a cushion. You either got traction or you don't. Mm-hmm. You yeah. you brought up Ballot the Bull Ring, King of America. I got one question before you talk about that a little bit. What's going to be the B-Mod order on that? Because I don't want to go first. <laughs> don't let us go first. <laughs> Support class. Well, oh, don't let us go first. Todd's running the deal. Um, We're going er- Ernie, yeah. Ernie was running the deal before, but, you know, I can throw in some stipulations for sure. You know, yeah. I definitely don't want you guys getting screwed. Um, and we did get you screwed last year. There's no doubt about it. You guys had a lot of bad tracks starting on slime and, and in March in my place, it is slime to begin with. It takes a long time to burn that off because it, it doesn't – it sits on top, and when the moisture comes out at night, it just stays there longer. Mm-hmm. It don't go away. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the new format, you know, will probably help that, give you guys some good feature races at least the first two nights. The, the, the problem is, though, they got to qualify. You know? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. What, I, what I'm saying yeah. is that because – I heard you talk about it last night, so I knew where you were yeah. going with it. It's gonna it's from my standpoint it sucks because like we go from four heat races down to one a night, eighty cars, twenty twenty people making it a night or whatever, and then you get that one shot and if you start third row of your heat race and you have some studs start in front of you and we all get stuck damn we all get stuck and we're buried in a B just because we were on a fast racetrack. And I know the USMTS guys definitely don't want to do that either. I'm on their side too, but they're gonna they're gonna run two a night, right? Two yep. heat races a night. They get to run two a night. So, yep. 
some, I mean, I, there's no good way around it, but from when I seen that, like, cool, we're going to get the race, I'm happy, and I get to watch the game odds. I'm cool with that, but just worried. And I'm sure everyone else has hit you up about that too. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the good guys think about that. You know, it's it's the, the weekly racer that doesn't think about that quite as much until it's time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's definitely on my mind because I had enough complaints last year about Todd kind of – some people said he treated you guys like stepchilds, you know, like as a sport class. Yeah. Well, it's hard to have two sport classes, you know. Both of them are big paying shows, you know. It's it's just in a bad situation, this deal. But hopefully we can go back to the, the normal situation next year and don't have weather interrupted again. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just easier to tack us on. But did you think about moving it on a little bit later in the year, at the end of the year? Did never. your schedule not see fit? Never. Why not? I'll, I'll never put it late in the year. Why not, like, in the middle we'll, of the we'll summer? we'll lose money. Oh. Just I mean, none of them Minnesota guys can come race. Mm-hmm. Like, once, once their season gets fired off, they're racing for points. I got you. You know, and that's 30-plus racers there. Right. Um, so, it's just it's just the only way that that event can make money is to have enough cars. And, and the Minnesota cars help make that happen. I mean, they come down for a vacation. They bring their whole family. You know, it's it's a different different deal for them. Yeah, you've kind of found a niche in March for having a place for them guys to race. And, unfortunately, the weather varies so much in March. But it is really cool to be able to race against those people that you don't get to see. Well, what, what's crazy is we moved it back a week. So we were the seventh last year, and we moved it back. Mm-hmm. And if we would have had a seventh, we would have killed it. Yeah, like, we, was, we were at It was 65 degrees. So it was nice. beautiful last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just moved it one week, and I got screwed. I mean, it's just about just a bunch of ifs. Yeah. We got to – like nerd out all year we see all these Wasota guys kicking ass and we all get to hang out with them it's fun and like John Stewart loves all this because it's he said you start the year out with the biggest race we're going to have all year everyone's excited their stuff all looks good so I guess that makes a good point for later and not doing it later in the year too yeah but, and nobody even thinks about it but you shouldn't you know the photographers geek out about it because it's the first time oh, yeah. they get to see all these cars yeah. they're all wrapped up and you know ranking I don't know if he has changed his underwear every day or what <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I want to get my stuff before it's all marked up. Right. And have all the good photographers there, too. We get Dayton and Rinkin and those guys in there Todd at the same Boyd. time. I mean, there's just so many good photographers that show up for these events. And, you know, we tried to limit it because there is quite a few that just want to come in and watch the race and hang out. And that's, that's what sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more stuff going on that behind the scenes that you'd be able to elaborate on. People trying to get in, trying to do the video, trying to do pictures, trying to help you whenever they're not really going to help. What all do you deal with that on throughout the year? Because I know just at Springfield alone, there's lots of helpers that show up and get their pit pass and split. Once once you get into weekly stuff, then people quit coming. You know, it's the cool events, the big events that they want to come to. So the weekly stuff is just it's just pretty bare. King of America, where did all that come from? You said that's when you started getting back into the track, or when you started getting into track work. Who who dreamt that up and? Who wanted to run with that? Uh, Dad actually thought of the the King of America deal. Um, him and him and John, Dylan and Kenton's dad, <laughs> were talking one day, and they came up with that deal. And then Todd kind of pushed the issue and made him be a partner in it and take that thing on. And you know, it's it's kind of ran with it. Whenever you guys had that first year, though, Kelly Shryock was the man at Humboldt leading up awesome. to that. It was rubbered up that year. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a tiller. We didn't have nothing to work with. I mean, it rubbered up. It latched up lap two. Yeah, it was cool whenever he did the donuts down the front stretch afterwards. I mean, that that race, I remember the first one like it was yesterday. I can't believe it's already coming up on the 10th one, I believe. But do you 
do you know how much it means for the community around there? Because for me, there was nothing better than, even if I had to go to school that day, but seeing rigs parked all around Chanute or Humble and, you know, all of your races where people kind of come in like the boring and stuff. It just seems to be a huge impact for the area. It definitely is. I've never put, you know, the, the asset to it, what it actually changes in the community, the tax and all that yeah. stuff. We've never put anything into place there. Um, but, yeah, it's cool to see when you walk into Walmart and all the T-shirts. It's just like going to Knoxville and you walk in there. It is. It's it's just, you see all these sprint car shirts everywhere you go to the bars, everywhere you go, you know. It's, it's a cool deal. Yeah. So I want to get people's opinion, best moments, King of America moments that you can think of just to kind of get hyped for this year's race I, I'll just think about Gustin knocking the fence down like lap three yeah. last year it broke my heart because I wanted to see him get it on for 50 laps but I don't really know that there's anything in particular Stormy's smoking them the year that he won it everybody that's won it's with been the broken right front shot broken, that, yeah. yeah it was just bouncing like crazy well that was that was the first year we had the tiller yeah. so we raced in October the one year then we turned around and raced in March for the second one and we went and bought a tiller that winter and Dad tilted a little too deep. It got rough, man. That was bad. Everybody that wins it, though, is just like someone you will. I think if you go to the start of the weekend, you get excited for somebody in particular. Because Ricky, Ricky and Ryan last year were the two the hot tickets. And then the year that oh. Gustin won it when he was racing with Hughes was just inches off the wall in three and four and never touched it like usual. See, I had Strickler winning it last year. Really? Like, and then he'd let it until the damn field line come yeah. off. Uh, the guys just got it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that year Gustin ran, I think it was 100 laps that year maybe, him and Chris Brown. Oh, yeah, Chris was through the middle and, and Gustin, Gustin was up on right the wall. I was standing and going in. Jeremy three, was in there yeah. too, wasn't he? Wasn't yeah. playing in that one? Yep. What's your, what's your King of America moment that stands out most to you? All the shit that gets tore up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my shit. Like, yeah. my equipment and my stuff and, like, USMTS and my Packers and stuff, people stealing yeah. stuff. Like, <laughs> those are the moments, moments I'll never forget when somebody did something stupid. What about you, bro? It's not a racing moment. Tyler Rinkin's driver's meeting in the uh, party oh, barn at about I missed 3 a.m. Yeah. mocking Todd Staley to a T. <laughs> oh, it was, that was classic. Yeah, I missed it. It needed to be on video. But Todd, Todd was fuming, man. Was it as good as Mike Spaulding's? I think it was Mike Spaulding had the Nickelback USMTS version way back in the day at Deer Creek <laughs> Karaoke. <laughs> oh, man. It was, it was good. What, what's impressive about that race to me, though, is nine years and eight different winners, you know, and then there's a whole host of people that, that it could line up for again, um, you know, that haven't won it yet. That's, that's what's really neat to that, to that event. I, I'd really like to see it be slick top to bottom and Hunter Marriott win the thing. Uh, yeah, I think I he's – yeah, if, if it gets slick and stays slick or – you know, I think he's got a got a good shot too. We were saying that last night. I got I dubbed Ramirez if it's slick long race. Him and Vanderbeek, that's their kind of deal. Ramirez isn't hard on his stuff, so he's ran second so many times. Yeah, yeah. That year Vanderbeek won it. It was a late race charge. I can't remember. And he was he remember, drove around the top of somebody. I remember yeah. he was mad leading up to that because you got short in the race a little bit, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He was mad about that because you because there was people on alcohol. Hunter Marriott was in a six hundred four car. I'm pretty sure. And you got to shorten the race up a little bit to try to work around some of that so people wouldn't have to change fuel cells, and he won anyways. Yeah. So don't talk about that kind of thing. What is it like dealing with the, the traveling racer, local racer? Because you take on a lot of stuff. How do you keep – how do you save face on some of that and stay so patient? 
You don't stay patient. You just yeah. hide it. You just like get it. away from everybody when you need to. <laughs> well, I like your driver's He's meeting. in the water truck a lot. Just, <laughs> I like his driver's meetings because he's to the point in the driver's meetings. And when he's got done saying what he's saying, he leaves. I try not to even do them. Like, I'm terrible <laughs> at them. I'm yeah. just rude. I, I don't know how you deal with the people. Because, like, I, I mean, you wouldn't want to associate yourself with the good people, the ones that don't complain much, but then there's the ones that just are never, ever, ever happy. Yeah, there's a few of them. How the heck you put up with that kind of thing? It gets old. You know, mid-season is really when it gets old. <laughs> you know, for as far as the weekly racers being there, you know, 90% of them are all good, but there's always that one that's always got something to knack about, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it really doesn't amount to anything for him or for anybody else. It just, it just eats away at you all year, though. What is your – other than – King of America and Battle of the Boring, what's something that you look forward to the most? You, you talk, kind of act like you're a little bit excited about the Power Eye race. We're talking about Dason, what's something you're going to look forward to the most on the schedule? You know, that cash money deal, that's a big deal. Um, we haven't ran a late ball race in a couple of years. MLRA, um, we kept partnering with Dan and MLRA and Ernie and them, and it just wasn't making money, you know. And finally we just had to pull the plug on it and, and cut our losses on that deal, you know. And hopefully – the purse is down on this thing, so it could possibly make some money and and be in the future. You know, American Racer stepped up to help sponsor the thing, so that's a big deal. Is there something like whenever the sanction body comes in, do you have the option for them to lease the track and you prep it, or do you try to take on the money on that? Because I hear that sometimes with USMTS coming in that Todd leases the racetrack and he kind of runs the gate money. Is that true, Bryce? Certain races, yeah. Certain races. So yeah. how does that does a sanction body approach you and ask you that? Uh, most of them, no. Do you reach out no. to the sanctioned body or they reach out to you? Uh, for It just depends on what you're looking at, you know. If it's a small purse, if it's under 10000 I don't mind taking it on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of them purses now are getting up to sixteen, eighteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, and it's, it's too big a risk for us. I mean, that would be our whole season, right? you know, if something didn't go right. and um, That's why I always try to call the races early. You know, you can't, if you need to cancel them, cancel them early. Don't, don't wait around on it. What's USRA's approach to leasing racetracks? What makes someone want to do that? Like, how would you mean USMTS? Yeah, yeah. As far as leasing USMTS, yes. Sorry, sorry. It, it really, it depends on a lot of times if there's you know if you're needing a three or four race swing to complete a swing and and there's not a racetrack that's willing to take it on. That's when Todd does. I mean, Todd will tell you now that that more of the racetracks that consistently stay on the schedule are races that the tracks are putting on because they are successful. Um, but it's a big risk for certain racetracks, so um, that's he'll he'll show that it works sometimes. You know, Rapid Speedway was an interesting story that I didn't know until recently. Um, they were going to partner on that race 50-50 when Derek Vanderbrink became the promoter up there, and Todd went up on race day and said, "Well, this actually isn't going to be 50-50. And this is going to be completely your race." And he's sitting there sweating it, and then it ended up working out. Mm-hmm. So. So Todd really doesn't doesn't want to lease races because you know if the products work and the racetracks want to take those on because right. they can be profitable with them. But it's kind of what's needed, you know, to fill out a swing or you know to get get the season started down in South Texas. It's kind of tough, so uh, he took on some of those races as well. And then some of the bigger events just are work better with partnerships, you know, um, just so that there's somebody local in the area to do it. But it's a high enough purse that the risk kind of needs to be mitigated between right. two groups. What's the, uh, like, what would the racetrack get? What's the details on the, what would the racetrack get on a lease program? Uh, it, it depends on, just depends on the situation. Just like the paperwork or the whole thing? Yeah. Like, I, I hear like there ain't get, much paperwork, Todd. It's, it's a handshake <laughs> deal. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah. What is it like working for Todd, I was, man? I want to know that. It's, oh. it's interesting. I mean, it, no, they, they're great people to me. Todd and Janet always have been. Uh, 
you uh, you just got to learn how to how to deal with him like you learn how to deal with anybody. Um, it's certainly a hands off approach, you know, working for him. I mean, I I've got more autonomy than I've ever had any anywhere for him to just turn me loose and say go. I probably ask him for permission or advice on stuff sometimes, and he's probably like, just go do it, damn it, you know. But every now and then I'm a little uh, leery. But no, they they run a, a great organization. He's definitely he he's real laid back in everything he, he does. So. What's your what's your experience with Todd on that? There's no better race promoter in the country. Mm-hmm. Like the race directing part, he's freaking awesome at. There's nobody better in the country. You know, some of the calls people wonder about, but. You know, he always makes that call for a reason. I mean, there's a reason behind everything that happens, and and uh, he's he's been great to work with. I mean, shoot, we've been with him for 18, 20 years now. So, um, and he's he took on that challenge of leasing our track when nobody else would. So we stuck with him, and we've let him lease it, and he keeps making money off. We don't make nothing. So <laughs> something. I mean, something to just attest to what what it's like. I mean, you take a look at. To, to really see how successful he's become, you know, you look at some of the other national series that are, you know, corporately owned, whether it's the World Racing Group that owns them or Lucas Oil, and, you know, it was just one guy that started it. it it's funny because you go down to South Texas, they're like, I remember when you were pulling down here in a car, you know, and working this thing out of your trunk, and you don't, you don't think about that when you see the USMTS hauler pull into a racetrack, but for somebody, an individual to do what he's done, um, is, is pretty impressive. You know, their apparel deal is what's really brought it to the table, too. You know, Janet does a great job with that and, and hauling that in there and setting that thing up. You know, everywhere you go, there's a USMTS shirt, you know, mm-hmm. and it, that's part of it to me, too, you know, seeing that big trailer and everything that goes along with it. That was the allure as a kid, I'm sure, for Dylan, too. You see that trailer pull up, and as soon as the, the old door comes up, you head over there to see what your dad yeah. will buy you. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Frisbees. I always like that. They always did the redraw on the front stretch with the Frisbees they throw in the crowd. There's just a lot of, you know, things that made USMTS what it was and the four-wide salute that they still do. It still gives me goosebumps, too. The Lee Greenwood deal gives me goosebumps every single time. And you, I got to do it in a, you know, I don't know. They got to have holders or something in their car because that flag is hard as shit to hold up. Because so I got my leg against the firewall and I got the flag through my leg here, trying to hold it, shake it, <laughs> trying to get it. So they got to have holders in their car. They're cheating or something. They need to install them. Well, you well, probably Weir's, get Weir's to build yeah, them. Weir's probably sells yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Weir's does. Probably hundred bucks, but it's it's worth it. Kenton, yeah, Kenton will be. He'll find it. If he's if he's gonna do design something, I want something that can pick up the flags. Because when I wasn't announcing there for a stretch, I was on the track with Ryan and those guys to pick them up. And you want to talk about a pain? If you think carrying one of those in the car's bad, try to grab six of them and roll yeah, them up. That's and, a good point because you got what probably so, twelve a piece or so at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, because either the way you do it, you either do it with two guys or four guys. So if you do it with four guys, you get six of them because they just take the line. Or if you do it with two, he'll do two laps for you to pick them up. But then you're picking – see, what are you picking up at that point? About the same, about six each time, and then you go roll them up, and the next thing you know, you're grabbing the next set. Those those things are a lot of work. It's definitely a lot harder than what it looks. I've done it a <laughs> it few times. Like, shit, you're about to get it's ran not, over. You don't know what's coming at you. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be the coolest thing ever to get to do. It's my first time ever, and that, by the time we got done with our three or four laps, I wanted to get rid of that stuff. I was, <laughs> I was over that. But it's definitely the – I mean, it is the, the trademark, you know, just the staple of that series. And it's – I'm the same way. A lot of those guys are like, man, how many times do you hear Lee Greenwood a year? And it's like, yeah, but it's – 
it's really awesome, especially when you get a full grandstand that, that really appreciates it. And in places like I-80 and stuff, like when they do that, it's freaking electric, man. It Whenever, gets you going. They do the four wire, and then they heat the tires up, and then it's like everybody's just kind of like, it's oh, yeah, it's, it's time. Yeah. It's time. So yeah. I know what you're saying whenever you see that. What got you into announcing? That is, and is that tough to do, to try and fill the air the whole night, or does it just kind of come natural since you're talking – but you're talking to yourself in a sense, I guess. Right. I've I've learned a lot from you know from when I started as a weekly track announcer. Um, I I'm definitely probably in filling dead air and kind of entertaining. I'm I'm probably not, you know, nowhere near where I need to be. I, you know, I'm I pride myself on the on the call stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had you know my on the call and and Lawn Elkie's entertainment in between. You know, yeah. but um, it I the way I started I was a. Uh, I was just the racetrack reopened there in 2011 and I was there every week just in the pits and the uh, promoter or not the the announcer at the time uh, was going to be the promoter in 2012 and they said they needed an announcer and my dad and a couple other people are like you're going to be there every week you know everybody that's there you might as well announce and just started out and I never knew it would take me to where I'm at today you know it was such a dash there from where I started to where I am now it was kind of a quick you know quick learning curve um but uh yeah that's how i did that. I, I announced for probably four or five years before i ended up going on tour with todd and usmts so you ever catch yourself sometimes not wanting to call stuff down the middle if you see it so blatant have you ever messed that up uh, not not really i stay pretty conscious of it until uh, he sees that replay racing dirt's got right there and he's like oh shit. yeah then you're like <laughs> yeah, did squeeze him how am i supposed to talk about yeah. this yeah no there was one i remember i did say something one time the guy flat dumped the guy and that's how i called it at the time and nobody ever said it It was like a pure stock racist aligner or something so there probably wasn't much record of it or anything but i remember thinking to myself like man i go back to pits like after that guy gets done fighting him for dumping him he's probably gonna come find me and you know yeah i think that'd be the hardest part about the whole deal is if you see something bad go down or if it's your friend or whatever to not to pick a side on it, that yeah i i don't i guess it's he ain't just, got no friends left yeah. he's been a promoter now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah i got rid of all of them so yeah. um but no as i don't know i mean you have to think fast doing it announcing it i don't know how i guess it's just the experience of doing it knowing that you you know you've got to stay stay by or unbiased so i want to do it i want to do it too we need to get yeah. a deal with ryan whitworth and have us two come up there and Celebrity announce one or something. Of them. Done. Something. Done. Done. I, I think that'd be really cool. I don't know if I'd be any good. Probably not. But I have to watch races leading up to it, make notes, because I want to rattle stuff off like James Essex and the dude from World of Outlaws. I should know the World of Outlaws announcer's name. Johnny Gibson. Johnny Gibson. Gibson. I should. Yeah, Johnny Gibson can just roll that stuff. Out. Preparation's everything. That's what I tell yeah. everybody. I don't like it when I go someplace and there's you know the guy doesn't know who's in the car you know and that's that's what I told some guys in South Texas. They're announcers and. I said maybe that's the problem with the sport is that we're the only connection between a lot of times the fans and the drivers, but that's the job that you've got and you got to go over there. You got to be in the pits every night, as long as you can be there until hot laps start. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. We've talked about that before. Like Bob Dillner, I've got a ton of respect for him because I've seen him walk into Lucas and he's got a notebook this big. He's USMTS guys. That's the problem. You know, most racetrack announcers don't get paid enough. So, you know, and I understand that, but they just kind of show up, you know, at the time they need to be there and, and roll up in the, yeah. in the stand and they're, they're set, you know. And there's more more expected of them than that, but it's also hard to communicate with them when they're not getting paid nothing. I mean, yeah. realistically, nothing. We ask everybody that comes on here, and this, 
I'm always interested in what what everyone's got to say is what do you guys think we can do to make the disconnect better amongst new people, current people, and to the drivers? Because we, we talk to USMTS people every time we get on here about we, we could probably do a little bit more searching around, talking to new fans and kids and stuff. But what do you, what's it going to take to get that stuff done? A couple more employees. I mean, every night, every track needs a couple more employees to do that stuff. You know, and I've looked at hiring a couple more people, even this year, to do some of that stuff, take care of the fans, take care of the kids, that type of stuff. But it's hard to find somebody that, that's willing to be there every week and, and work for little to nothing, you know, because sometimes it's a five-hour night, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, The challenge of that is it sounds good to, like, have an autograph session before the races, um, and then you see that happen in practice and 20 people show up. You know, you've, mm -hmm. you've only got your limited time frame to put on the show. And then that's that's really all you got. And like our deal is Friday night, so you ain't getting nobody there that early mm -hmm. to do that. Plus, you got racers that are trying to get their stuff ready. They ain't got time to do that, you know. On the three-day shows, that's about the only time you could actually work something in there like that. What can we do? I mean, what would the racers be able to do then? Not just you guys. What would the racers be able to do? I would like to see the racers use their social media more. Just, 100%. I mean, just wide open. Let her rip, you know. Just let your thoughts out there. Yeah. Not about the racetrack all the time well, yeah, but, yeah but go to do whatever you need to do take the car to whatever sponsors you got go do that stuff yeah that that's probably is the key i mean for the race night stuff he's right you know having a, like an entertainment you know designated employee to maybe coordinate some of that stuff if you can grab a racer and bring them over um, but yeah social media is the way to go i mean there's plenty of people from you know the bottom of texas to the top of Minnesota that know who Joe Duvall is, you know, and because of, yeah, because, because of, of social media. Yeah. Why, why is it that, that people don't post and get out? Like not just, not just the national people, like JC doesn't post anything and he wins everywhere there is to win. Andy Bryant doesn't post anything. You know, need to be some, a little bit more personable. I don't want to go too far as it to make it seem as if I'm like gloating or pushing right. it on people, but I want people to know what I got going on with a respectable look at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's hard to find that, that fine line for most racers, you know. Most of them don't have the time to begin with. You know, they're either working on their stuff or they're, they're getting ready or, you know, or spending time with their family the two days a week that they're not working on the race car. So it's tough to find all that. But, you know, even if the racer's wife could do a little bit of that, you know, that, yeah. would, be, that would be helpful to them. Yeah, you think of guys like Jason Hughes and Rodney Sanders, I mean, they're, they're just focused on winning. It's, you know, it's hard to get somebody with that kind of mentality to – you know, but do then, the other end of But it. then you look into the they're sprint. Not bad. You look into the sprint car world. Yeah. Look how their social media stuff looks. Like it's it's professional, professional, clean yeah. cut. A lot yeah. of it's paid for though. Take no, for granted right. that, you know. But but they're also looking out for them, you know, um, and that's what's building them guys, their sponsorships and everything else. Yeah. Now these guys are not a bunch of squares. I wish that they could see that. Because you see them on their Facebook posts or whatever, they just don't say anything. Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to go too far to as if you're pushing it on someone but you want them to be aware too yeah i mean at least let them know where you're racing that night you know they don't a result don't mean anything mm -hmm. if you didn't tell them where you was racing they didn't even know where the hell you went yeah and we just <laughs> we just seen on the springfield page last week they got a reply on a on an inbox late so, like they replied the very next day to say when the race started you don't <laughs> you got to say that stuff beforehand because that dude asked on a saturday at like 4 30 when the races start and they got a reply on sunday Saying they start at five. <laughs> that guy said thanks for the reply a day late. He's all pissy about it, but you can't do that. Yeah. That happens though. Like 
I kind of manage our Facebook stuff, but when I'm in a water truck, I can look down at it for a second. But when I start pumping water or something, then you forget about it. Yeah. You don't check it for a long time. It just it happens. I was, yeah, I was the same way at Salina. You know, I was kind of a lone guy on social media. And obviously, you try to stay on top of that, and it's important. But, you know, there's a lot of fires to put out on any given race night. And if something's going wrong at the front gate or whatever, you, you abandon that pretty quick. We got a question on Facebook. Nathan Hagar wants to know who's on a regional level, who's a few drivers that have gotten your attention that you could see have a lot of on-track success in the next couple of years. Which one was that? Was that the regional question? Yeah. Yep. And I have I haven't looked on the national level question yet. Okay. But I'd say Tyler Davis has stepped out there pretty good this year. He had know. a good showing in Texas. Yeah. 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 I mean, for him, he's in our region, so I see him more. Um, and I know he's a good racer. I mean, he's won races at our place and everything else, but. He's, he looked pretty damn stout this year. Yeah. Likewise, I mean, there's a lot of guys coming up in that, uh, you know, the USMTS Rookie of the Year hunt that, that are kind of having some standout nights here and there, too, like Calvin Iverson. I think he's planning on probably racing most of the USMTS, but when somebody has a run like that, you know, it, it'll get them noticed more regionally as well. It just gets you fire. Like, you're just lit. Yeah. You know, running second in his first USMTS race. He could have won his first USMTS race had there not been a caution. Like, it's that would be freaking amazing. Yeah. Like, that never happens. Dylan, who do you got dubbed as someone to watch? We haven't talked about this much. Someone to watch. Regional guy. Man, there's a lot of good racers in this area. Tyler Davis definitely comes to mind. Uh, Tad Davis, too, comes to mind at Humboldt. Um, yeah, I mean, there's I, so many. Yeah. Like, in the Beanmont stuff, you got to look at Clint Johnson, what he's done yeah, here in the last Johnson. couple of years. Clint Johnson's you know. turned it on in yeah. two years. Like, I, yeah. see, I see him winning the U.S. right national title in the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah, they got the means to travel him. He's he's getting way better than he was, for sure. When he showed up a year and a half ago, I wasn't worried about him. And now when he shows up. No, he knocked down our fence ten times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was wild when he first got going. Now he's, he's, he's an animal. Yeah, he's tough. Yeah. Especially yeah. you go like Salon and stuff, man. He, he's freaking good. Yeah. You know, and Cody's jolly was the same way, you know. And he's – Cody took on that deal to Amon. It's going to be tough. You know, it's a tough learning curve uh, going out there with the best guys, but Cody can get it done. I, yeah, I think he took a pretty good – the progression that you hope a lot of guys can take yep. to. I don't know that, you know, the, the immediate jump to the USMTS um, is not necessarily the progression I'm talking about. But, I mean, from the B mod, and, and he had the means to move up to the modified, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, there's some guys um, that I wish would kind of follow that same – you know, same progression through the divisions like he did because he said, you know, he could have stayed at Salina and, and Humboldt or wherever else and, and just won a lot of races, just just kept winning. Yeah. Um, and then to go out and jump into the modified like he did, you know, I think that's – It's pretty respectful. Right to, I mean, yeah. to, to be able to do that, you know. You know, and a lot of the fans and stuff were getting tired of winning, so it's, it's great to see him move up and, and have some more competition. Yeah. It's, it's scary moving up. Yeah, because <laughs> these guys are so much better. They know they know more, but they're so much better drivers. Like you race with the best Beamon guys, and they move up. They're going to hold their own. But these Amon veterans are they're they're, yeah. the, they're all badass. There's there's a gap there that you don't realize is there until you see somebody yeah. make that step. Yeah, I think I'm doing a pretty good job when I jump in an Amon. I'm running like 12th, 13th, trying my ass off, and they're just smoking. Have me. have your best night, and it's yeah. Yeah, so I yeah I know what you're saying. Cody's taking a big step, and it's definitely takes some balls to get that far. 
Yeah. Nathan Hager asked also what's, who's going to make a run at Sanders USMTS title, and Ryan wants to know earlier about the coronavirus, <laughs> what Bryce's opinion is on that. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the joke was, and this has come up a couple of times, like the only thing that stands between Rodney and Win 100 right now might be the coronavirus. <laughs> but he got, I mean, but then Nathan had a good point talking about the USMTS title chase with Jason Hughes. I mean, Jason's been – uber consistent uh, to start off he's he's definitely not necessarily happy with you know the consistent fourth it seemed like it was at most races but you know he, he's got a chance to derail that uh, I think Derek Ramirez does as well he's coming off one of his best years or his best year um, so uh, I think it's going to be an interesting title chase in the USMTS and in addition to that you know the best 40 races count I, I don't know if that was publicly out there a lot but i know it went out in the newsletter the best 40 races count so it's changed the dynamic of that deal similar to what the usra modified points are with the best 20 races but you know i talked to steve-o about that uh, jason's crew guy and he was trying to get jason to go out and run for usmts this year and i said did that you know help make that decision and he said obviously you know it kind of did but at the same time he said we're going to need to get 100 percent of the races in because you're going to need every bit of throwaway races that you have um, but that, that 40 race deal will change the dynamic of it, too. I didn't know Jason committed, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. He, see, he did commit. Well, uh, to basically, most of the tour, yeah, yeah, to most of the tour. It's not like an official commitment. Steve, Steve-O said, you know, with this 40 race deal, if we have to miss, we can miss. Yeah. So, I'm excited. Whenever that 12 car unloads, though, it's just like, you know he's going to be there. Yeah, especially at your place. Oh, my he's place is man. freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think he won, yeah. like, eight straight or something in my place yeah i, I mean i remember watch, watching him win in the then early john Te- john test passed him on the last lap for one and broke a streak yeah i think it's awesome this guy mike northrup wanted to know did you guys pay the mechanical bull rider to keep cody jolly from riding it the whole time no. No, no, was, he just sucked that was a, that was a that was a pure lack of talent yeah. <laughs> He seems like he'd be good at that. Them guys, we had a bunch of us there though that (laughs) night, and uh, they definitely, they definitely told the guy to turn it up on him. Really? (laughs) What did you think of Rankin's performance? Uh, A karaoke? Yeah. Oh, it's. Freaking lit! <laughs> That's like, what he said. Billy awesome. Joel, we didn't. Oh yeah, you, you, that was in your show too. Yeah, you told me about Billy Joel. Too, yeah. That right was impressive. Here, you should see it live though. Like in concert, it's good. I thought we were gonna stump him a little bit by asking him to sing, and he just kind of perked up in the chair. He's like, oh, yeah. he's he's waiting on somebody to ask him about that. Like, that's, that's his deal. He doesn't care. It's his gig. We're gonna end up at the Rack House, King of America, or something. Have to take him yeah. over there. He was he was hoping we held a practice on Sunday so he could. Get down there and do karaoke and do all this stuff. It's like, dude. So is he going to live in Springfield? It sounds like he's moving over here. I think he's a Springfield native. Friends is not ready for all that. He, he's, not, he's not leaving Decor though. I can promise you that. He will never leave Decor Island. Friends Karaoke Bar has Springfield Idol. I don't know yeah. if Rankin knows that or not. I don't. I put, I put my money on him, I think. I'll go watch him. <laughs> we, we need to invest in him and get him in there, probably. Is he on payroll for the DJ booths at the Bullring Race, or what's up with that? I don't know what he's got going on this year. He, he had a sponsor that paid for him to be the DJ last <laughs> Did year. Did he really? Todd, Todd told me we don't need to have no DJs. We don't need to be paying for nothing this year, just in case somebody <laughs> did get the coronavirus yeah. while in the barn. Yeah. Is Todd, it, Todd didn't want no liabilities in the barn. <laughs> if I get it in the barn, that's just part of the territory. That's part of it. <laughs> Is there any kind of worry on your guys' end that that race may get canceled because of that? Oh, we've been through a lot of thought process here in the last couple of days uh, between race and dirts. 
internet coverage, um, just a million different ideas being thrown out there, whether it's um, you know a 250 person max or a thousand person, how we're gonna work this thing. You know, it, it could be a pit pass only thing if, if it come down to it, you know, only sell a thousand pit passes and that's it. You know, nobody in the stands. I mean, you go sit in the stands, but we don't know how it's going to work. You know, Kansas hasn't done anything yet, so we're not worried about it. It's a regular race right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, thank you, Kansas. Hopefully, they. No. Yeah. yeah, that's going to suck if that gets, because that's going to hurt everyone. It's going to hurt the, like you guys that'll hurt Trenton and them, hurt Tom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that hurt Trenton bad. I mean, that's their their biggest event of the yeah, year. Yeah, that's what I Todd. Mean, that's, that's what Trenton told me last night. Is that's his. That's important to their company. So it's important to us too. I mean, this is we got probably six thousand dollars worth of food sitting right there. Then two thousand, three thousand of it's going to go bad. Right. You know, if we can't get this thing in. So yeah. uh, there's a couple of promoters. Speaking of Trenton, and this will mean a lot to his company. There's a couple of promoters that feel very strong about live events being at their racetrack. They say that, that since there's no risk versus there's no risk for the production company which you guys travel there like racing dirt travels there but what do you guys um, do you deal with that bryce you hear about promoters getting mad about that yeah you know i've heard both sides of it um but uh it's i think for the certain events i mean it's absolutely needed i think you know for king of america events like that i think it's it's necessary so has there been talks of like a blackout can they do that can you black out events you can you can black out an area really we've never We've never forced them guys to do it, or nor do we really want them to do it. You know, the worst thing is, is when the when the weather is bad, you, they're getting racing nerds getting all these tweets in there from people sitting in Humboldt and Chinook, Kansas, watching the race. You know? I've watched a Humboldt race from. That's from not really what we're geared toward. Yeah, I know your mom posted it. <laughs> My mom does a lot. But. Well, hell, we've watched races from the pits, like at Winston. We'll have the right. iPad. Playing. No, that's you know that's great. Yeah, we're working know? on our stuff, and we want to keep up with what's happening. So we'll watch it on the iPad from there. But the blackout deal, it turns into a huge mess, and it, it's just not even worth it, you know. And Trenton's kind of talked me out of that deal. I thought about, like, the first year we ever did it, about doing that. And then ever since then, we've just diluted it. Nothing replaces being there. No, you, you're never going to replace that. Just no. if the weather's good, you know, you and your mom would have been there. You know, that's just the way it is. Just the weather was crap, and it's nice to – nobody wants to sit out in the snow. No. You know? There's so many different scenarios that keep someone in the same town, keep them from watching the race. Just, it, it, I, I know like a couple promoters will feel pretty strong about it because there's no risk, but I guess there is risk for everyone because you guys are there. You're set up traveling there. Yeah. It, it, can, it's, it can go either way. I mean, it depends on the individual, right? You know, If they're not going to come out, if the weather is bad, then maybe it's good that they can tune in. Um, you know, I don't know. It's It's – just so case by case basis i think it complements the special event so well that that's you know that that's where it belongs but, at i i you know the interesting side of what i had we had the at a fans choice stream um at salina on the weekly program that was completely free <laughs> and i advocated for getting rid of that very quick <laughs> um but you know if there's revenue um coming in i think it you know it's definitely definitely I mean, worth you it. also got to look at like the, the you got to go back to the numbers you know if you lose 20 people, it's you know 200 bucks out of the stands. That's not that big a deal if you're gaining along the along the road somewhere. So, I mean, it's 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 building coverage. Period. You know, I remember like when they were doing the fans' choice deal, they would have people tune in from clear out in the middle of nowhere, but they'd also have people tune in for a in weekly fact. show right there yeah. in Salina. Yeah. yeah. Does a production company give the racetrack a cut of the pay-per-views, or how does that work? Yeah, it all depends on the event. I mean, a lot of them events, a weekly show doesn't make nothing on 
on that type of stuff. Yeah. But, well, I mean, like a King of America deal or a yeah. marquee event, you yeah, guys get a, cut on a, that. It's a percentage-based deal. You don't mm-hmm. after expenses are all paid and everything's done. I mean, nobody realizes how much Trent and them guys spend on internet. You know, their internet bills are normally twenty-five hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know, just for internet, and sometimes they don't get to use it. Right. Is there anything that you've not said out loud that you want to try? Whether it be something on the racetrack, something at the racetrack. This is a question for both of you. Like just because uh, okay, we heard the other day that they're thinking about having a 500 to win B mod race, but if you pay an extra 50 or 100 dollars, you're eligible for a thousand to win and second through. I think you've done that. I've done you? that. Yeah. So because Todd, Todd used to do this big dog bonus deal. Yep. I don't remember what he called it, some bonus thing. But I did it where if you paid, uh, I don't remember what it was, 25 bucks, the winner was eligible for 750 bucks to win or something like but that. But second through, like, last I doubled. I basically took what they put in and I doubled it, and that was whatever whatever it went to. I gotcha. And that was just for anybody that paid in. Mm-hmm. So you got it's anything? It's eligible. I mean, if you're willing to gamble. Yeah. yeah. Get it. Is there anything yeah. you guys have dreamt of that you just haven't said out loud? You want to try? About yeah. oh, I think I've tried it all and failed it about all of it, to be honest with you. I think I'm ready to just kind of play it safe. Yeah. You know? We tried putting together a Beamon series deal this winter, and <laughs> it was a complete failure. Like getting some tracks to travel, like a mini-series thing? Yeah, like 10 races, 10 different tracks. Nobody wanted to do that? We kind of based it off the Iron, you know, what the Iron Man series does up north. Um, when we looked at doing it, um, the difference was, you know, Todd goes to a majority of those Iron Man shows and puts them on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of with his USMTS show already. Well, we were going to have to go out and do that, and we were going to get a flagman to do it, a tech guy, possibly an announcer. We wanted to do everything the right way, and that was going to come with the sanctioned feet of the track, and that seemed to be one of the biggest barriers. Purse was kind of negotiable. We got to a point to where um, we thought most promoters were okay with it, and then it didn't end up, you know, end up working out. But I mean, we had at the first thought, man, it was rolling. We thought we was going set the world on fire for this little Beamont tour and all these promoters just back out one after another. Yeah, that sucks. It That'd seems be, like it'd be good, but it's... You know, you I'm willing to do whatever. I was, I, I was willing to take on a Thursday night show at my place. I didn't really care. I just yeah. want to try to get something started for yeah. these guys. I mean... The biggest... The, in hindsight, now I dealt with the Tom series in Texas um, over this off season, and some things didn't work out there the way anybody had hoped they would. And, and knowing that now, it was probably a blessing for me at least... Um, to not be in that situation, you know, if if I pull one or two race cars from our, one of our sanctioned racetracks to that event, you know, it just becomes becomes kind of sticky. So it was going to take, a, you know, I think a lot of coordination between us and the racetracks to make that schedule kind of work out for everybody. That, that's one of the biggest issues right now, anyhow, is, is the scheduling of racetracks. You know, if, if we'd all work together a little more uh, and not schedule on top of each other and schedule specials on other opposite nights of other racetracks, it, w- it would all flow so much better. But everybody's greedy. Has anyone tried to step up to do like a promoters only? No one else in the room. You just all talked amongst yourself thing. Shit, you, you think know, that's possible? You know how some of these promoters. Oh, are. Oh, I right? know. I'm just wondering yeah. if there's been anyone tried to lead that. We we did uh, we did a promoters workshop there uh, before the USRA banquet this year, and Bryce led into this thing, and it was an absolute success. You know, um, but the everybody there were so diversified, like the. Queensland's were there from Deer Creek, and I you know I was there, and the tracks were so far apart, it wasn't quite like you could, plus we already had our schedules out by then, so. We didn't get into like the meat of what we were doing, you know, it was kind of a general discussion. I did have a promoters meeting in Texas with all the promoters, and it, it went well. 
amongst the racetracks uh, surprisingly well compared to what I thought it was going to and, and what I heard going into it might possibly happen. Um, but, I, you know, that's where we had our most area of growth this last year was in the state of Texas for USRA. So, I, you know, I need to put more of that, that stuff together probably throughout the country as well. And I think everybody is, is a lot closer in sync, it seems like now, um, especially in, in the state of Missouri. You know, one of the things that, that, that happened over the offseason was, was sanctioning Dallas County Speedway and Jack Jones at Midway. Um, of course, they're right there 40-some miles apart. And I just called Jack. I said, I, I know this could hurt your program. Um, tell me what you think. And he was absolutely on board for them getting sanctioned racing on the same night. So it seems like there's a little bit more cadence between everybody in, in Missouri, certainly than other, other parts of the world. You know, Weekly racing, um, there's only so much you can do to, to keep from overlapping there. I think the biggest thing is to coordinate on special events and, and make sure you know, that you're working together on those as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, it, like – like, if we need to take off modifieds one night so another track could have their special, that's what you need to do. Like, that's the right way about going about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and there are just some people that don't want to don't work with nobody. Yeah, I understand that. What is something, like, the craziest thing that you've seen at your place? Craziest thing? <laughs> yeah, I know my dad's backed into your push trucks. Oh, that, yeah. that was pretty freaking six, crazy. I want to <laughs> yeah. So, I'll tell that little story because this is a good one. So, in our old pits... John always pulled in this long, deep one because he was the only one that had a rig for a weekly show, uh, him and me. But he parked right beside me, and he had to back straight up. Well, he told Jeff Fair, the, the crew guy, he called him on the phone. He said, tell me when I'm good, I'm backing up. Well, John starts backing up and starts hitting my push truck, and all my push trucks are in a line, and he pushes them all. And so they're all veed and crossed and shit. <laughs> and... John's like, what is going on? People are yelling back there. And Jeff says, I don't know. I'm at home. To <laughs> <laughs> oh, add context to it, this wow. is pretty late. I think I was still with Oh, it's like night. four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> there, there might have been some whiskey. <laughs> that guy didn't want to say anything. He's just like, okay, yeah, I'll let you know when. I yeah. guess. Yeah, he was just going to. I'm sure he had some whiskey, too. He just made it home first. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what else do you got? Um. That's kind of a big question. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Pretty sure it's Joe Bob that uh, ripped the U joints out of one of the push trucks one night. We went in to use it the next day, and she didn't move. And the drive shaft was just sitting up in there, and it fell. Like he'd, he'd went underneath and put, stuck it back in there with no U bolts. Just make it look good. <laughs> yeah. How'd he tear it out? He wouldn't admit to what happened. <laughs> but he told me something that happened. But. He wouldn't admit to it fully. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Bryce? Those crazy overnight shows like that. I know before oh, I, I like was. The, how about the the school bus deal at Salina? Yeah, yeah. Before I was the promoter at Salina, they had actually had a couple school buses that they would pack the track in That's or trips, right? Or give give rides in for the kids. I don't know about drips. I hadn't heard that name, but I know Gustin was driving one of them. Well, they got these things out overnight one time, <laughs> and we're taking them around the racetrack, and Gustin brake checked everybody pretty good one time on the racetrack dumped everybody out of the seats well they said um they were racing then they raced through the pits and i don't remember who it was jason had his lift gate was up. just feet away from wiping out jason hughes's lift gate oh, there so that was i only heard the stories of that one i'm trying to think um some of those that was the first 
Sooner Showdown. When the they, first Sooner Showdown. Yeah, they, they, USMTS was at the first Sooner Showdown. Trader was there drunk in the pits. Like yeah, it, was, it was a good I'm night. pretty sure one of the crew guys got like carried out of the restaurant that night. Um, just some crazy. <laughs> they sent, oh, the, the one of the Canadians crew guys, they sent down oh, yeah. for beer. And so there's like this... Uh, Little elevator, yeah. There's a little elevator shaft. Like a laundry chute with an elevator. Because the 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 kitchen is below the restaurant. Because that thing, you know, the the restaurant there's the the VIP tower basically. So the kitchen's down below, and and uh, the restaurant's up top. And um, it's like four in the morning. So they have to send send food up and down that chute. Well, at some point. I don't know how much of this I need, I need to tell. I'm not, not employed there anymore, but um, I guess at some point in that night, they needed somebody to make a beer run to the kitchen, and they thought in lieu of going down the stairs, somebody was small enough to send down that food chute to go grab some Are beer. Really so. Did it hurt him? No, 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 he was. No, it's, but it's he like was a, fa- that was the that was the funny thing. He was faced <laughs> the wrong way because you get in on on you know say the right side uh, because like, the window there is on the right side but it's on the opposite side on the way down so he gets in with his back and they said he fell out on the floor when he actually hit the bottom so that's, that's right up trevor's alley uh... <laughs> yeah it was good a good one we told trevor last night but you guys hear it later i gotta ask you though about kinzer edwards the first bullring race what are you into that do you think that makes for good watching or what you, good watching? What, yeah, because it was that ain't good watching. It was damn exciting for us at home watching oh, it on TV. There was a lot of people liked it. I mean, there's a, <laughs> there a lot of YouTube hits that week. Oh I man, that, that was know? the first heat race of the weekend, and I'm sitting there watching. That was the like, first battle, the very first heat race of the whole thing, and he comes hauling ass up the front stretch and was set the tone for the. He set the tone for the race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, some of that stuff's good, but like. Man, we don't need that stuff all the time. Yeah. I know. I was going to say, I could Trent and the Trent and the guys will feed on it. I'm sure Trent loved it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to post it until you're okay with it. I'm pretty sure enough people already saw it and yeah. had it on their phones that they posted it. Well, Ryan's had to step in and make decisions, that kind of stuff before, including with my family. <laughs> so I know Ryan's got plenty of times where he's got had to take a stand on. That yeah, and that's the worst. I mean... But when I was racing, we was friends with everybody. You know, we drank after the races with everybody. You know, you ain't got no friends when you're a promoter. You can't have them. Yeah. You, I mean, you can say you're friends, but if it comes down to it, you can't have any sides. That's all there is to it. I thought it was great. I just want to know what you thought about that on promoter side. It was. That's probably a better was, question. Was, for really, <laughs> my deal was always I had to deal with, you know, whatever repercussions came from somebody fighting. So I was like, I'm going to have to deal with it. Do that in front of the grandstands, at least. Right, if yeah. I'm going to have to deal with it, <laughs> yeah. and I'd rather them do that as, as use the cars as weapons. You know, we've had some stuff yeah. like that come up, with, even with USRA, that we've had to find and suspend some guys. So at least if you're going to fight, fight. Don't don't do something stupid in a race mm-hmm. car. But um, yeah, I always had to deal with the paperwork. I had there's a pretty entertaining fight one night in in the pits in Salina and. Um, it just happened to get caught. There's a security camera that it just <laughs> caught perfect. Like the only part of the pits that, that there could have been a, a fight caught, and I got it on, on video. So, Yeah, so the people that were lying, he figured it out real quick. Yeah. He did well. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was like, no, I didn't do that. And I'm sitting there like, replay. Yeah. Oh, maybe so. But. <laughs> Bryce sent me that video the next day. And was, he was like, can you actually believe that it caught this? Like, yeah. I won't disclose the details on that just yet. I think... I may be in trouble enough with all the restaurant liabilities I told on Salina, but <laughs> that's—I would definitely not go down and shoot, not knowing where it goes. That's pretty for wild. sure. 
Yeah, the, yeah. everybody's insurance is going to go up now that he did that again. Yeah, <laughs> Brian's sweating over there. We just, we just went up 400 bucks this year on the insurance, <laughs> so that's what we needed. Dang. Someone hit your snack bar one time, didn't they? Uh, yeah, he works for GRT now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to think of. Well, I know who it is, but I mean, I'm trying to think of other. He had a little factory stock, and he was trying to trying to bump the starter over, and it took off. Back in his racing career, yeah. it started up. Yeah, oh. he, he didn't know that. Well, he flipped the key on, uh-huh. and instead of just leaving it off and bumping it over, well, it was in gear and took off and ran in the concession. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it was when the concession was pretty new too. <laughs> Man, that sucks. Well, is there anything you guys got else in closing here? Anything you want? Off the top of your head, you wanted to talk about on the way here? I, yeah, I told him on the way over if one message I could send to promoters. Um, it's not a coincidence that you see guys like Ryan and everybody that does have a good racing program at other racetracks. I think, you know, that that's the biggest lesson that I probably learned as a promoter in anything I did to go out and see what other people are doing. Even if you learn what not to do or what to do, you know, I think that, that getting out and seeing those other programs and not getting your blinders on and doing what you're doing is, and, and that could go for racers too. You know, if I always told guys that if you've got the means to go run USMTS and can do it, or even if you've got the means to go travel, I think it's good to do. Because even if, if nothing else, you, you know how good you have it where you're racing at weekly. Very, very true. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the biggest deal. You know, racers just need to go race some other places sometimes, you know. If you're going to bitch and complain about something every week, then you need to go try somewhere else and see if it's any better. And it's more than likely not. But it's just the way you're handling your, your situation right there. Yeah, I've seen you at the racers reunion, and it's not even really that's not your track's not even in that. You're just kind of checking out the scene. See you at a lot of different race tracks, just kind of hanging out watching. So that's yeah, true. I've been to pretty much everywhere. I mean, I think I got more tracks than Bryce, but not most of mine are not even open when I go to them though. <laughs> what are you like, up, What are you up to on track counts? I don't remember what mine was like two thirty or something. I'm at like ninety five. Oh really? Yeah. I figured you'd be at more. I go to I go to close down racetracks though. Like <laughs> I want to see shitholes and I want to see stuff. <laughs> that's we got dead yeah. end walls and that's stuff. That's actually stuff we need to fix. Yeah. Well, have you been to Bolivar? If you go up there, I've been over there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last night. Like that's we're gonna cool. cover it in dirt or what? We should. Yeah. You need a second. Like you need cool. a second Saturday. That'd track. be cool. Huh? <laughs> yeah. It looks like it'd be fun. They said, I've never they watched said, the race. They said Terry was so freaking good there. Like yeah. Telly, or Terry, uh, Kelly, Shryock, and Al Hania were – they put on the very best race I've probably ever seen there. So that was a badass place to go watch races at. Dylan, you got anything else? Oh, I uh, – well, I just tell Ryan, I guess, thank you for all you do at the racetrack. I know um, I, both of you, you guys do a lot for the sport, and Ryan specifically just because I live in that area, but I know there's – a lot of people that grow up around their home track and you just your home track means so much to you it's what gets you into the sport and what keeps you in the sport and i'm thankful that we live right by yours yeah i mean it's hard to deal with sometimes living, living <laughs> yeah. beside you you know <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> ryan you got anything else no i'm good i just uh you know people need to get out and support the racetrack whether it's a crappy one or whatever you know go out and watch some races take some new friends you know, this deal is not going to survive with the same people that we're taking every week. you got to take somebody new every year. You know, take if, you, if it's only two people, you know, take them. Let them scrape mud off your race car, whatever it takes. I bet they'll get hooked. Yeah. yeah. I don't disagree one bit. Well, I appreciate you guys making the trip to Springfield. And look forward to racing with you in a couple of weeks as long as everything goes as planned. As coronavirus is going? Yeah, hopefully it's going. Yeah. silly. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Thanks for doing this. You know, I get to go on a few of these shows throughout the country, and they, 
they help the racing world, you know, where they're at. So we yeah. appreciate you guys taking the time to do these too. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Thank you thank guys. Thank you guys.